0: You're listening to the Ask Drone You podcast. You ask, we answer your drone questions. Whether you're here to turn your passion into profit or you simply fly for fun, we're a community of learners and teachers who aspire to achieve greatness. We are Drone You. Hey, everyone, and welcome to another very exciting episode of Ask Drone You. We have lead investigator of aviation, Mr. Bill English from the NTSB, here to help us better understand. Why are drones continuing to be used in investigations? Well, and what about accident reconstruction? Should we even really call it that? Or is it more crash reconstruction? So here to discuss the value of drones and also give you a little, well, a little tease about our upcoming NTSB class. Really excited about that. I know I keep calling it the NTSB class. All it is is a drone mapping bootcamp at the NTSB Training Academy. But here with me today is Mr. Bill English. Bill, welcome to the show, my friend hey good to see you again paul oh it's good to see you i love the backdrop there it looks like you've got scrappy the cessna that we map in the class right there
1: yep um hanging out in the hangar here uh these two pieces of airplane wreckage that you see behind me we'll be working on at the class in september
0: well yeah no i love that so also the jet behind you we will be mapping that as well is that correct
1: yeah we're gonna do have two scenarios uh, this time uh if you remember uh Last time in December, we took the Cessna. That goes around the corner to our uh, flying field that's just uh, less than a mile away from here. We'll set up a simulated crash site out there. That's where we're going to do search and rescue training as well. And then we got something really fun set up for this. I don't know if you can even see it all in the camera, but it's a fuselage of a Jetstream turboprop. We're going to jam it into the the big roll-up door here in the hangar and uh, simulate a uh, pretty famous accident. You'll all be... uh, Really pushing your limits to uh, do some mapping and modeling and documentation of that.
0: So for people who may not quite understand the difficulty of image acquisition, Bill, why is that jet so difficult to map? Well,
1: we've got a lot of things going on here. We see that in, uh, in all our accidents as well. Um, we see, you know, lots of samples and you got something that's nice and colorful and visually interesting sitting out in the middle of a field. Well, you know what? Airplane accidents and car accidents and whatnot don't always happen that way. Sometimes they're in a real difficult area to map. We're going to have this thing right up next to a great big brick wall, which is going to be tough. Also, take a look at that. It's mostly a cylinder. It's smooth. It's white. It's shiny. It's really pretty hard to get good, thorough um, image acquisition there without a lot of noise and and other artifacts. And we're going to walk you through methods to, uh, to minimize that and how to fly around a great big brick wall and other kinds of things like that, too. No, I really think it's a it's a great example for people to
0: understand just how uh, this particular training and what you're doing is more of an advanced image acquisition because a lot of what you are mapping or modeling is not easy to map because it's extremely reflective. Like you said, it's white and shiny, so we can't get a lot of tie points and key points out of that data. But I also think it's a great example to showcase the difficulty of these particular exercises and how overcoming them and learning to work with that data is going to provide, uh, well, a better experience for anyone who wants to learn um, accident reconstruction or just advanced 3D modeling in general.
1: Sure. Yeah. All the skills and techniques that we're going to show at the class here are applicable to lots of different industries, lots of different applications, many different, um, you know, maybe utilities or construction. There's always going to be some things like that. I mean, a water tower is not really all that much different than our fuselage. So same kind of skill.
0: No, you know, you bring up a really good point, Bill, and I want to ask you about this. We've gotten a lot of inquiries and people ask, you know, if I'm not doing crash reconstruction, is this class for me? And I think you just brought up a really important point that it, you know the subject that you're mapping or modeling doesn't quite matter. There's always going to be challenges in, like I said, reflectivity, challenges in the shape of the object as a whole. So who is this class really for, would you say?
1: Yeah, like you say, we can use this uh for anything. This is really a moderate to advanced photogrammetry class just happens to use some aircraft accident scenarios and I don't know, maybe we'll we'll push a car out here or something like that. But using accident scenarios to help teach you the photogrammetry. So you could use that in any kind of transportation, whether it's, you know, aviation like we'll have for our samples, um cars and trucks on the highways, rail, uh, boats. I mean, really anything. You want to look at things like tanks, you know, maybe... You know, like petrol tanks and uh, gas tanks and things like that in a certain industry. All of that stuff that might be um, using photogrammetry, you're going to take those skills away from here. That's what we're teaching is photogrammetry. We're not really teaching you how to be an accident investigator. You have to come and get hired by us, and it's a much longer training program than one week.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So, okay, let me ask you this: So the NTSB is still using drones. In fact, you're scaling up your teams and you're and you're really utilizing them more and more and more. So, where is the value for that? What are what are some of the hard lessons that you have learned and why do you continue to use them?
1: Uh, Well, why do we continue to use them? We got a bunch of them really cheap last year and they're all paid for, so why not? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) uh, Really, these have become a a great killer app for us. I mean, this is the uh, drone imagery and drone photogrammetry is a really excellent way to document our scene, make our wreckage diagrams, search for wreckage, in ways that were very time consuming before or could be dangerous to investigators before. Right? We just, I don't know, well, you can't, what's on the other side of my camera right here is a great big box full of exploded gas pipe. We went out and worked on a gas pipe explosion just a little while ago, and we were able to document the uh, the crater and, the, and the, uh, the damage and everything there that people couldn't get to. It was, it was unsafe to get down in the crater, it was unsafe to get near this gas, but we were able to make a really good point cloud with the drone rather than risking the investigators. So that's another great advantage. The diagramming, it comes out very, very fast, very, very complete. So the uh, the value is, is being seen as growing and growing. And I think anybody that's put this um, into their industry, once it's used properly, they can see that it really is valuable. And that's the important part is using it properly. You talk about what's the most important lesson we've learned. And this will be true for a lot of folks in different um, types of whether it's public safety or industry. The drone is the easy part, right? I, you know a lot of people get obsessed over oh my god i got to pass my part 107 and learn how to fly the drone that's the easy part it's the training it's the application it's the data handling it's the use of the data in whatever it is that is your mission whether it's a public safety mission or an industrial vertical that's the kind of stuff that you really need to integrate flying a drone around piece of cake no i see i think
0: this is actually a really common problem because we're seeing even in our enterprise clients not even public safety That people just go out and they'll spend 10, 20, 30 grand on a drone, but they don't fully understand all the different data sets they want to collect. Whether they want to do 3D reconstruction and video, maybe they want to do some Zoom video, maybe they want to do inspections, and then they buy this big old drone, and then they have no idea how to use it or maintain it. Or keep it working. Uh, I mean, obviously that's maintenance, but I'm talking about on the software side. So would you say that this is an issue that you see with smaller public safety departments? And what would you recommend to them to overcome this very common problem?
1: Well, I can tell you what we what we've encountered. And That's kind of the same thing. We're pretty small, actually. Um, You know, we're federal; we cover the country, but we have a small operation. But those are definitely lessons that we've learned. You talk about the big, expensive drone and whatnot. Mostly, we use Phantom Four Pros and Phantom Four Advance. That's not a big, expensive drone. And we have stuff that costs way more money than that. Our software, our differential GPS, all that kind of stuff. Cost-wise, is way more. And the training. We put at least fifty percent of our budget into training, so that people understand how to how to fly safely. We really can't afford. To have an unsafe operation and then how to handle that data. This is the kind of data that you get one shot at doing. It's not like, oh, it didn't come out good. Let's come back tomorrow. It's gone. Right. You only get one shot at doing that right. So those are the kind of lessons that you learn is do it right. Do it right the first time. And train, train, train is really the the big
0: lesson. No, I think that's a really important lesson. So let me ask you really quick. You brought up something. You're a big Phantom 4 Advanced, Phantom 4 Pro advocate. I know that during the last year when the sales were kind of running down and stock was kind of going out, you bought a lot of them. Are you still looking at utilizing the P4 RTK? This is a big question that comes up again about the the class in general, but also mappers in general. It's like, should I go out and buy the P4 RTK? Or should I go and use a regular Phantom and maybe traditional GPS equipment? What would you say?
1: Uh, well, I can't say that I have a lot of experience with the RTK. I don't have to. We already had an ecosystem of um, differential GPSs in-house. So we've been using that. Our our ground control is basically PPK, um, ground control points with a GPS. We've already got the equipment. So for us to... Change our ecosystem would probably not be worthwhile expense wise. Maybe if you had nothing. I, I don't I, like I said, I don't know. I have not used the RTK that much. Um, I love it because that's a drone that's portable and it's got a mechanical shutter. I can put it in a backpack and it works good for photogrammetry, frankly, and, and the cost is right. So um, as far as the RTK versus standard and external GPS, we're already invested one way and it seems to work good. That's what you'll see us doing. Now, are you using any thermal drones by chance, Bill? No, we've experimented some with thermal for our mission. Um, We're not generally searching searching for lost people or anything like that. So the stuff we're looking for, is generally already at thermal equilibrium so it doesn't add a whole lot for us you know the optical works really well Um, we have been searching more and more we've been getting more and more call outs for missing wreckage you know pieces that fall off airplanes and we've been very successful with that just with optical um, that did Sort of inspire me. We've just uh, just recently received our limited uh, beyond line of sight waiver, really extended line of sight. Um, so we're starting to shake that uh, procedure down a little bit and get out there so we can uh, you know stretch our legs a little more for looking for pieces. So that's going to be pretty exciting. Interestingly enough, that's our one oddball drone we use for that. It's a Mavic 2 Pro. Interesting that
0: you use a Mavic 2 Pro. So hold on a second. You just kind of dropped a bomb there, Bill. You said, you know, at the training, we want to showcase a BVLOS demonstration, but you said it's actually an EVLOS. So for those who may be having trouble listening through the radio, uh, he said Bravo VLOS and then Echo VLOS. So why did you say extended or a visual line of sight. Why did, why did you say that versus a BVLOS waiver? Because I, I am now privy to the news that you were granted a BVLOS waiver. So what does that look like and why label it a different thing?
1: Well, I don't really know if those two terms have strict definition. You can look at my waiver, it's published, right? So you can see what I gotta do. Um, our waiver allows us to fly the drone beyond the line of sight of the pilot but somebody else has to have eyes on the drone. So I have to send somebody else out on the other side of the hill or out into the swamp on an airboat to keep an eye on the drone when it's beyond my line of sight. So somebody is looking at the drone. It's really, I think some people would call it daisy chaining. So I've got to have a visual observer who's got immediate um, radio contact with me as the pilot or vice versa to do that. But it allows us to get out a lot farther, right? You're your visual on a small drone is what, maybe 2,000 feet, if you've got young eyes like you. Um, so with this, I could go a mile out um, with, you know, if I plant another uh, visual observer out there, so I could stretch it quite a bit more, get cover a lot more ground you know for doing our search or cover an area that would be unsafe to send people out there you know doing a foot search right in a swamp in like some maybe some desert terrain um, we can cover a lot of ground I mean a, a Mavic flies forever you can cover a lot of ground with that and not have people out there slogging through you know poisonous underbrush in the desert looking for parts I use the drone instead that's a good point and I
0: know one yeah. of the exercises that actually we're gonna be doing is going to be search and rescue where we're actually taking a lot of images and then processing that through a software to help us find things. But if I understood you correctly, you said that you are finding parts optically or visually. Is that correct?
1: Yep. Uh, Not using any special sensors, just the camera on the drone. Um, And then what really happens is it's it's kind of old school. It's download the SD card onto a computer with a nice big screen and have somebody that knows what they're looking for. Another investigator sitting there at the computer and going click, 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 click through until they spot what we're looking for. Um, That has been pretty successful, but you got to know what you're looking for.
0: True. Now, would you recommend that that is a uh, efficient method of search and rescue for humans? Or would you say with that particular
1: method, you're sticking to objects and, and subjects? Yeah. See, I'm not searching for humans, so I don't know. I'm looking for pieces of airplane. So generally something that uh, well, sometimes it kind of looks like the terrain around, you know, and, you know, a propeller blade looks a lot like a branch. Um, but so you want to have some eyes on that can make those fine distinctions and say, oh, that's an airplane part or that's not. We're not looking for people. So I, I really can't talk to that. So
0: the BVLOS waiver is essentially going to allow you to create yet another efficiency with your drone. I mean, how much time do you save in being able to fly those longer distances, cover those larger areas than having people walk around? I mean, that seems like a kind of efficiency
1: of macro scale. Yeah, we can cover a lot of ground quick with the drone. I mean, we did, if this wasn't one where we had to go uh, beyond any kind of line of sight, but um, did a, you know, a FOD walk, you know, looking for uh, objects and debris at a certain accident and did it both ways, right? We're, you know, still people aren't quite believing in the drone yet, but we're getting there. Um, So you had a line of 20 people slogging through the long grass. We could cover the same area with the drone in 10% of the time. And see everything they could see. It it was very easy to see, you know, things the size of, you know, a cigarette pack on the ground. Easy.
0: Oh, wow. That's really exciting that you got a BVLOS waiver. Do you think that this type of waiver would be beneficial to other public safety agencies or what type of individuals or um, agencies or entities do you think would be well or find value in the BVLOS waiver?
1: Yeah. So uh, what is the, I think there's about 40 of them listed. And you can look at them on the FA website. None of this is secret. You can just pull it up and read it. Um, see, I think a lot of the other folks who have that kind of waiver or uh, a lot of them are manufacturers developing different stuff. But I see a number of uh, uh, public safety departments in there um, doing that. Yeah. any Anywhere where you want to stretch it a little bit, you don't have to just do this, you know, do your 2000 foot square, pack everything up you know, drive a half a mile, set all up again, fly some more. You can do that. Or if you've got an area that's just hard to slog through on foot, um, this could help you out. Just, you know, peeking over. For us, it's it's a small thing. We're not trying to do, you know, dozens of miles. It's just like peek over the next hill, you know, or take a look in that, you know, tree covered area that's that's hard to see otherwise. Um, and that, that can be very valuable. And, and it just keeps you from, you know, again, putting people out in a potentially hazardous situation. So while you've been exploring... Uh,
0: the use of drones and creating a program, a very successful program, where do you see uh, the program going? Or I guess a better question is, is do you see further utilization of the drone data beyond what you're using the data for right now? I mean, you're famous for giving speeches on using drone data for wind damage analysis, uh, runway damage analysis, some really cool things. You've been the guy that's shown that, hey, I can fly a drone right off the runway and obviously, with the right communication protocols in place, and the airport can still operate without an issue, and you know, very few people can even see the drone uh, at all. So, my question to you is: as someone who's always pushing the envelope to say, how can we use these drones?
1: What do you see in the future? Uh, what do I? So, in the future, what I'd like to see and what we're What I'm continuing to push for is, like you talked about, the operations at the airport or wherever is is normalcy to where a drone is no more shocking to anybody than a helicopter flying around. Uh, And I think we're starting to get there. You know, they're going to in in some facets of, uh, uh, you know, of the industry and everything that it It won't look any weirder to people than just a helicopter flying around. Uh, I'd like to get to that point where that's uh, somewhat normalized and the and the data um, the initial data gathering is normalized. The other extreme to that is where can we go with this it's It's pretty unlimited we're starting to experiment now with using some of the the data that we gather and blending it together with some um, uh, computerized you know game engine uh three d uh, visualization software uh, virtual reality to where we can take actual reality and plug it into virtual reality so it's more than more than just a cartoon it's got the real actual data in there, and then we can manipulate things around like a a virtual model of the aircraft looking for orientation of the aircraft things like that so we're starting to experiment with that a little bit you know i've been pushing out and you know doing some stuff with um GIS type software for a very detailed analysis of, of terrain and things like that won't work too. So we can go either way.
0: That's really interesting. Are you using something like Unity 3D to create environments of where the accident took place so you can like apply the rules of gravity and whatnot to essentially use that as a flight simulator to help better understand
1: uh, what happened in these flight accidents? yeah that that's exactly right we're taking uh taking unity uh putting some of the the point clouds or the mesh into that and then we can also then import a model of you know an undamaged aircraft and see you know exact impact angles and and uh directions things like that that is really cool uh i'm I'm fascinated
0: so are you using the point cloud or the three d textured mesh for this particular use case because this is actually this is interesting.
1: We're working with both of them. I, you know, we're still in the experimental phase now. The mesh is easier to use, but as you know, meshes have some artifacts until we mess around and clean them up a little bit. So we're working with both um, to see what we need to do. Awesome.
0: Well, Bill, I really appreciate having you on the show. If there's something that we didn't cover, I want to make sure that we cover it. Or if there's something that you want to get out there, I want to make sure that we get that out there.
1: Uh, I, we could probably do this for hours. So, nope. See you at uh, See you at the training in less than a month now. And hope everybody enjoys it. Thank you very much, Bill. Really do
0: appreciate having you on the show to help explain where the value is in drones and the fact that you think it's unlimited and that this covers a lot more than just you know 3D reconstruction, I think is, is very helpful for people. Cool. See you soon. Awesome. Thanks, Bill. Well, for everyone else out there, if you want to join us at the NTSB Training Academy for a drone mapping boot camp, and this is, again... The image acquisition strategy may be more advanced than our regular classes, but this is a class you will not want to miss. September 22nd through 27th, we're having a flight mastery course on the 22nd. The 23rd through the 27th will be a four-day mapping class. We typically do a three-day if you're familiar with that. So join us for lots of exercises from search and rescue to 3D reconstruction and more. It's going to be a fun one. In fact, it's my uh, favorite training this year. Bill, thank you again. Really appreciate it, and we'll uh, see you next time. All right, we'll see you right in here. <laughs> Out there. All right. With the ominous black SUV in the background. <laughs> well, everyone, thanks again for joining us today. Really do appreciate you being here with us. And we will see you next time on another epic episode of Ask Drone You. We believe that videos, images, words, and sounds have the absolute power to inform, inspire, and entertain. We are creators. We are the Drone Youth.